0: You're listening to Shifting Schools, episode 239. Welcome back to another Shifting Schools podcast. I hope this finds you safe and healthy. I'm all by myself today, but don't worry. The amazing Tricia Friedman will be back with us next week. Today, however, I have a great chat with Francisco, who is the director of creative learning at the Scratch Foundation. I have loved Scratch for years. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the online program that teaches students to code through the game Scratch. It used to be a free game that was produced, and then it got uh, open-sourced and moved over to MIT. You can now find it at scratch.mit.org. I have been using Scratch with my kids, oh man, as far back as uh, geez, 2010, 11, something like that. Uh, such a great way to get kids involved in learning how to design, the idea of design thinking, design-based learning environments. It's just an incredible tool. I'm sure you educators who are listening to this, you know all about Scratch, and it might be something that you've forgotten. And after today's episode, you're going to want to head back over to scratch.mit.org to look at some of the new resources they have. And uh, again, we're talking with Francisco, who is the Director of Creative Learning at the Scratch Foundation. And he also helped to create the Scratch Ed Creative Computing Curriculum Guide, which you can find a link to that in our show notes. It's a curriculum guide to get you started. We talk about that today on the podcast as well. We also talk about this idea of some of the research that Francisco has done in design-based learning environments. So you're going to want to be listening for some of that research that he goes into around how this truly impacts student learning and impacts some of the things that we want students to be engaged in inside of our classrooms. And the last thing I want you to be listening for today is we get into a great discussion on the balance between structure and an agency in the learning classroom. Many of you longtime listeners know that Tricia and I continually go on and on about creating structures for st- kids, and at the same time, making sure that we are giving students agency in their learning. Francisco and I get into a great conversation about trying to balance that idea of structure and agency and how using a program like Scratch and the Creative Computing Curriculum Guide created by Scratch Ed how that helps to impact uh, that balance between structure and agency in our in our classroom so just a great conversation it's such an honor for me to get to actually talk to somebody uh, involved directly with scratch and I know many of you out there are going to really like this episode as well before I get to today's episode of course I just a quick shout out to today's show sponsor that is Quizalize.com. you've been hearing a lot about them if you've been Following us here at Shifting Schools. We are so honored and appreciative of Quizalize.com uh, to be a sponsor of everything we do here at Shifting Schools. Please do go over and visit them. Uh, have a look. You can sign up for a free account. And remember, you can get one month free of their premium subscription when you sign up for your free account. So you have to go over there, sign up for your free teacher account, and then you want to visit bit.ly slash shifting schools, all caps, so that's bit.ly slash shifting schools, all one word, all caps, and when you do that, you'll get one month free of their premium subscription. And I know after you try that month of their premium subscription, you are going to want to uh, buy their yearly subscription as well. So a big shout out to quizalize.com. Please do head over there, visit the sponsors. That's what allows us to continue to make these great uh, podcast episodes and all of the free guides and webinars and everything else we do at Shifting Schools. I also wanted to remind you, this is a great time of year that if you are a podcast listener to Maybe pause and give a little appreciation to all the podcasts that you listen to by giving us ratings and reviews either on podchaser.com or over on Apple iTunes podcast. Always a great way to whatever podcasts you listen to, go give them a rating, go give them, leave them a review. It's such a great way to honor your podcast. It takes a little bit of your time and we all really appreciate it. So I just wanted to have that shout out to, not just for this podcast, but for all podcasts you listen to. It's a great time of year just to be giving back uh, through a quick little rating and review over there on Apple iTunes. I'm excited for you to hear about this. I really enjoy geeking out. You're gonna hear some stories of my teaching years, of the ways that I use Scratch to engage kids in different ways. Uh, Such a great conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Francisco, the Director of Creative Learning at the Scratch Foundation. And with that, on with the show.
1: All right, I'm so excited to be here with Francisco, uh, who is part of the Scratch Foundation team over at MIT, director of creative learning. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I can only imagine the uh, what your what a day to day life of youth looks like. Uh, but as we get into this, uh, can we start off with just telling us how you initially became interested in computer science and how that passion has led you to a position at Scratch Foundation? Sure um so i initially
2: became interested in computers at at an early age and i think in different different dimensions um one example that comes to mind is that uh i just grew up playing video games at home you know that's one of the first computers Um, my dad actually also invested in apple II back in the day and so um but i think it just opened up to my eyes to the different layers of how things are made um the roles of computing there was a a little gadget that allowed you to hack games. And I think at that point it made me realize, oh, there are different users. There's an admin user. And that just opened up of like, what is What are these privileges and power that, <laughs> that goes on? Here? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and that was just incredible opportunity in that sense. And another dimension of that is my dad had a sign, a banner and sign shop in, in Chula Vista, California. Okay. And uh, sometimes I would go in there um, uh, just to help out um, and uh, talk to him and, and I think just that idea of being able to create something, um, being able to not only design something, talk with a customer on what they wanted, what their vision was, and then use um, plotters and equipment and computers. Uh, Coral Draw at that time was was what I was using, right? Oh, uh, wow. But to use something, the fact that you can make something and just have an idea and turn it into a into a reality, into a tangible thing, um, it was just, it was incredible for me. And I think that's why I really got interested in computers and, and just the power of, of computers. And And so that would be, one time where um, someone came in and they wanted a, a something and uh, my dad was out of town and I said, yes, let me try this out. And I just cr- started creating a banner and sign for some folks. And so um, I, I I love the idea that, that computers can be used to create things and, and design things. And so that, um, in a way that kind of gave me a different perspective or a vision. Now I don't look at menus at, at restaurants the same, I don't look at signs the same way. And it's thinking about, oh, like how did that start off? What was the vision? Um, what was made for that, and then all the way up to installation. Uh, so that's that's initially how I started guiding. Later on, um, I uh, started uh, working as a robotics engineer, and it was my first day on the job as, in, in electrical engineering. And also, I really focused on, really was interested in robotics engineering. And that's when I learned that you can use code to interact with the world. Um, mm. That's when some of that code just became physical to me and, and tangible. And so that was, I wasn't initially interested in computer science and in solving problems that had already been solved. So give me all the prime numbers up to number 35. I did, it, was, it was already something that was done, you know, and it, it didn't yeah. really interest me. And so um, later on, I realized with robotics that I could be creative. I can um, use code to solve new problems and new challenges and things that I was really um, passionate and interested about. Um, and so that's kind of like computers, computer science. Initially, yeah. I didn't know what computer science was, right? And so that's kind of how I I started with a very kind of hands-on um, approach. And then now with the with the Scratch Foundation, I, I initially worked um, with uh, Mitch Resnick and Karen Brennan about 10, 13 years ago. Um, yeah. I worked as a researcher uh, with Education Development Center. And um, Education Development Center is a research group out in, um, in Boston in the New York City area. And they received a uh, MIT, um, media lab received a grant um, to evaluate the use of the creative computing um, curriculum. And so I came in. The researchers were just asked, "Who knows coding? What is coding? <laughs> Who can we leverage <laughs> on our team?" And it was just an incredible opportunity for me to to join in uh, that team and in and uh, kind of um, looking at the um, the role of educators, looking how um, how uh, curriculum was enacted, some of the the principles behind it, l- looking at seeing Scratch in different in different ways. And so uh, that was a, a three four year long um, uh, project funded by the National Science Foundation. Later on, um, uh, since then I've been Working on designing and implementing programs, and working closely with with educators, a lot of uh, scaling the work, the things that I learned um, with uh, from Mitch and Karen. So I always give my shout out for that. Um, but ever since, and so since then, I was able had really excited to join the Scratch Foundation because it was not uh, as an opportunity not just to think about the products, but the design of the designing the experiences as well. And so I was always interested in just the design features that went into Scratch, and then seeing how there's a, a hill, there's like a strong reason behind that, and strong um, passion between the folks, and so uh, a lot of my work now is is in supporting educators in in uh, um, on their professional journey um, with Scratch or with creative learning and and uh, engaging communities, um, an online community of, of young people and, and as creators. And so as a as a former um, scratcher myself, and as a former uh, trainer, it, I love this role because that's just uh, those voices in the room, and and just a huge inspiration for for the work now at the foundation. Yeah.
1: that's fantastic, and. It, for our listeners, I, I'm not sure if we would have any listeners who have never seen or used Scratch before, but could you maybe just talk a little bit about what what is Scratch uh, and how yeah. how has it impacted in your mind? Like how has it impacted education? Mm, yeah, thanks for asking that. And I do. I jumped right into
2: it. Right, but Scratch is a is a creative programming language, and it, it's the largest online coding community um, in in the world for for children and teens, and so. Um, Scratch uh, and uh, Scratch Jr. are two products aimed then uh, for young people to uh, create interactive games, stories, animation. Um, imagine something and then create it, um, share it with somebody else uh, around the world um, that they may not even know, and get feedback on it. Uh, maybe get some love. Um, learn how to be kind to each other with their comments and feedback. And so, uh, to me, what I love. Of, um, with uh, um, with with Scratch and Scratch Junior, is that you can create something and just share it with somebody else, and then um, part of that is is uh, um, getting feedback from that, um, talking about your work, which is which is a huge part of just uh, being a creator. Um, I, I one of some of my favorite subjects in, in school growing up were were art, and I just love the whole um, space of of getting inspired from others, going into someone else's studio and learning from what they're doing and realizing, oh, did you see how they use that paint and that color, you know, or what is this pastels? Pastels grew, blew me away when I was in, in high school. And mm-hmm. so I think to me, that's a, um, Scratch is a very, it's, it's, a, fa- it's a fancy um, set of pastel colors, right? But how you use them and how you get feedback on your artwork, how you talk about your projects, um, that's what I think is, is what's been incredible that Scratch online community provides. And so, uh, it's Scratch is free. Um, I always forget to say that um, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> um, and it will continue and it will continue to be free. Um, but uh, Scratch uh, Junior is, is also a great product for early um, uh, grades as well. And so the Scratch Junior product uh, and and experience has been really thought about. What are little minds um, and in grades five and seven? What are, how do they think? What do yeah. they use? So it, you don't know you don't you don't need a mouse for that. It's a downloadable app. So. I'm just thinking about the affordances of, of grade bands. Uh, Scratch was initially um, uh, funded by the National Science Foundation as well, and it specifically targets middle schools um, students in seventh uh, grade, seventh and eighth, or really kind of five to eight. Um, but and I think part of that is just the identity at that age. You're just developing identity of like, I can create, I can connect with others. And, and so it, we specifically, um, target that audience, but it, it's used in, in colleges, universities, high schools, sometimes high schools are just like, Oh, this looks too kiddy for me. And then they start making a project. Like, Oh my God, this is going to take a lot of work. For yeah. me. It's right. <laughs> so, so even though, even though it looks very inviting and it's, and it intentionally it's made to look like, um, inviting and, and, yeah. and be able to tinker, um, It gets complicated really fast right so sometimes uh, um, kids will want to come in and and make some intense video game and realize oh my god it's a lot of work that goes into it so i think part of it is also just seeing the value of of how much work um others put into their stuff is i think really important you know to realize like oh like that person that user put in a lot of work on this project um it's good to see that i think as as a young creator as a young connector um
1: Yeah, and that so there's a couple things I I love to pick up on you mentioned. I think that right there is number one, is a lot of students play video games today and don't understand how much coding goes in to just make your you know to make your sprite move down the move down the line you know Uh, until you start coding your own and you're like oh my gosh my sprite moved two blocks. And it took that many pieces of code, like what, how you know. And I, I really do. I, I agree with you. I think there there is something in having kids actually experience what does it take to build some of these games mm-hmm. that we know that they're playing today. That's one. The second one is I'm so glad that you mentioned the community, because so, I mean, Scratch itself is a fantastic program. Again, it is free. I'm sure almost every teacher, if you haven't heard about it, you need to go hear about it, and you need to just mm-hmm. go over and start playing it. But the community that it's created, the community website, I think is one of my favorite pieces of it. uh, Because this ability that I can take things and share them with the community, I can get feedback on them. I'm not making something that is just for me in the classroom. I can upload it to the website and there it is. Uh, And and to me, that's a huge, huge piece of why we bring Scratch, uh, Scratch into the classroom. I want to talk a little bit about that you work very closely on the Scratch Ed's Creative Computing Curriculum Guide. And that guide provides ideas for K-12 educators for short and long-term plans and embeds reflection throughout. Where do you see the future of computational fluency headed in K-12 education? And how is Scratch hoping to be a part of that future?
2: Yeah. And so, uh, first, uh, you can go to scratch.mit.edu to create your account and and and, uh, and begin your Scratch journey, right? Um, and so, the guide, uh, the Creative Computing Curriculum guide, is a shout out to um, Harvard's Graduate School of Education's Creative Computing Lab and, and Karen Brennan, who's done amazing work. Um, and so, at that time, um, and this was the research project that I mentioned earlier, uh, mm-hmm. Karen Brennan had um, worked on this guide and uh, worked also on the Scratch Head um, website, which has not been archived. That's not been archived. Uh, and so we came in and we initially came in as, as kind of third-party evaluators. And so this was kind of like, you get money from the government, here's your strings attached, right? you got to make sure that you're spending that money correctly. Um, but then as researchers, we realized MIT Media Lab doesn't need that. <laughs> they don't need someone to kind of follow their budget lines and then see how they're spending money. They're very right. competent and they're very, have a clear vision. Um, what the team needed was was meet, was me someone to go out and, and see how that curriculum and those mm-hmm. activities were being enacted. And so that was a lot of my work um, in interviewing educators and uh, taking a look at their approach for using Scratch, um, particularly focused on design-based learning environments and perspectives where uh, educators were using the guide uh, to create and, and build in some of the passions um, that student in Youth Voice in that. And so it, it, that was a very important um, I think, And so the curriculum, I think, in those activities is is about, uh, I think one of the key parts of that is the word guide. Um, and, and to me, it's a very important because it's a, a, it really is a guide and it exists to help you find what works best for your students. So it's not a, this is a step-by-step script, um, but it's really an opportunity to encourage educators to find a balance between structure and agency. And, and that was a big part of that research work is uh, we can have one design-based learning environment where it's like, go do whatever you want, right? And uh, that will require a certain set of scaffolding and differentiating, um, but teachers know their students best. They may need a, need a little bit more structure in thinking about, okay, um, let's try this together. Let's share out. Um, and it can also mean depending what age is and where their journey is at, or if they've had other design-based learning opportunities. So it may be the first design-based learning opportunity. It may be um, the first time you're asked to imagine to to. uh to be uh, creative, and so that's, you may need a little bit more additional support to think about how to bring in those ideas. And so that's why um, that guide is important mm-hmm. because you're, uh, students are not only learning how to code, but um, they're learning the, some of the perspectives associated um, about what they're making. And so um, in, in design-based learning you're you're not just, not all the projects hopefully look the same at the end, but the projects, um, there's a little bit of me inside the project and maybe there's a little bit of me that I deconstructed in that project. And so maybe I love skateboarding and um, which I, I do. I grew up skateboarding, and so how that, how how a skateboard works, and how you um, ollie with a skateboard or jump is is a certain process for that. And so maybe you want to create a project where you study and, and look at the physics behind that, and realize um, you're you're maybe not in, and you're not realizing that you look at the physics behind skateboarding, but you actually are with Matt, mm-hmm. with with Scratch. And so um, I think that's that's a lot of my uh my role in that in working that creative computing curriculum guide is in in gathering all that data feeding that back sharing that back with with uh uh, the scratch team and uh, particularly and karen and then saying like this is what i'm seeing um and so the work for those next three years was developing a computational thinking framework um, or some of the big ideas of scratch uh identifying um uh, examples of that so interviewing students i I would turn on a, a screen capture, um, gather during my interview so I can see students. I wouldn't see their faces. I just wanted to hear their voice. And I would sure. ask them to do think aloud, analyzing those those tapes and the recordings, and then thinking of what other opportunities um, or what are ways where educators can create more opportunities um, for creative learning. And that was, that was a big part of that work. And so um, I think part of the, uh, the other question was the future of, of, uh, of computing and education. And so... Yeah. Um, I think, uh, and I've seen this, in, even in, um, in in STEM education, right, where we initially probably started off with with um, content, with concepts, right? We just you just need to know um, the water cycle, right? And so then yeah. we started realizing, oh, there's much more. There's a practices associated with that, and right. And so, next generation science standards and other other standards really kind of push that initiative. and And to me, I think it's very similar that it's about how those concepts connect to other parts of your work and interest. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, and and so part of that is not just going um not just stopping at concepts and and the practices but um really thinking about what are some of the perspectives that you develop as as you engage with computing um and and part of that I think the the future for for us at the Scratch Foundation is to that all students have an access to computational fluency and that they see a value in computing for whatever it is they want to do. So if they want to mm-hmm. explore art and music, I see a value and I'm also able to navigate that. And so like, whether it be hiring a, a developer to create my light show during my concert in the background, or whether it be, um, what's an NFT? How do I involve this in art, right? So I think part of that is a, is a fluency. And, and I think it's, it's very similar to a um, to a literacy, uh, right? It's uh, It's not just reading and writing for the sake of, of reading and writing, but to be able to express yourself, to be able to connect with others, um, there's the it's it's work that I think goes beyond um, just the uh, the the re- just beyond writing, uh, beyond reading, um, and so that's that's a lot of how we see that that future.
0: Hey, folks! I hope you are enjoying this episode with Francisco. As we talk today about having student learn through coding and the ability for students to create and be engaged through game-based learning as well, I wanted to talk about our show sponsor, Quizalize.com. What makes Quizalize so unique is you can take any quiz, whether it be one you made or one you import through the over 1 million resources they have available to you. And with a few clicks of a button, turn that quiz into a gamified learning experience for your students. We know that gamified learning increases student engagement, which leads to increased attainment levels. You can display the gameplay on the screen in front of the class while students complete their game on their device or you can set up team mode where you can have up to 10 teams and 100 players competing at the same time, having fun and learning all at the same time. After hearing today's episode, you could even have students start to think about what game they might want to create in Scratch by playing different learning games through Quizalize. Remember, you can get a free one month premium subscription by going to bit.ly slash shifting schools. That's bit.ly slash shifting schools, all one word, all capital letters. That premium subscription unlocks even more ways for you to use Quizalize and gives you full access to all their games. Again, that is bit.ly slash schools, all one word, all capitalized. You can also find a direct link to that in our show notes below this episode. Thank you to Quizlize for being a sponsor of the Shifting Schools community. And with that, here's more from Francisco.
1: Yeah, we'll make sure that there are links to both the Scratch website uh, where you can go set up a free account. If you don't have one already, uh, we'll make sure that's in the show notes. And we'll also make sure there's a link to the Creative Computing uh, curriculum guide as well. One of the things you talked about, and I, I'd love to dig into this just a little bit, is you talked about this push and pull between structure and agency. Mm-hmm. And What what does that look like to you? And what are some things maybe in the guide uh, that, that teachers have to kind of play off of those two? The, how much structure do I set up versus mm-hmm. how much agency I give kids? And, and are you seeing you know that idea of scaffolding um, at different grade levels, especially now with Scratch Junior? You kind of even talk about that kind of push and pull of structure versus yeah. agency yeah definitely
2: um in the creative computing guide uh there are certain activities and and each activity is really kind of follows an imagine um create share reflect um, cycle where you're imagining something um and perhaps that thing that you're imagining you're you're something that you identify with um and so within that I can then turn into like, how can I recreate this or make this um, myself with the remixing or my own ideas, um, and then being able to share that out and uh, with others for feedback and, and getting, um, and also reflecting on your experience. And so at, at each different point, I believe there's an opportunity for a structured agency, right? So imagining, um, I've been in some schools where uh, um, educators and, and tell me like, you know, my students haven't had an opportunity um, to create, <laughs> to be imaginative, to be curious, right? Because a lot of the curriculum is probably um, very step by step, and it's very a little bit structured, right? And so, um, and so then sometimes that that uh, asking for that youth voice and that agency can be a lot. And so, how do we um, provide more opportunities? Um, before that, before this creative coding experience to kind of um, build into that. And so and I think the same thing goes for creating, whether it be a tutorial that you're using or whether it be just here's a stack of code and we're going to kind of analyze this um, versus a tutorial walk a little bit more on, on the how-to. Um, same thing for sharing. I've had, um, I was at a training last week and, and uh, facilitating a training. And for educators, it was the first time where they... Um, we're in a position of being critical friends to each other, mm-hmm. sharing feedback on their scratch project, and so um, I realized, how do we do that a bit more? So we'll do an activity where we open up the idea of remixing, where we open up the idea of giving feedback. We'll do some more of that feedback before and kind of structure that out. And so I think that's one thing. And I think what I've noticed, what I've loved in, the, in that creative computing curriculum guide, and, it, and I've seen it in others, is um, by structure and agency. So one way in that I've seen it kind of approached is. Uh, providing coding constraints versus design constraints. And so that could be, here are 10 blocks of code, do whatever it is you want, you know? But then the coding constraint is there, and so I'm able to at least provide a little bit more support just on those 10 blocks. I can be strategic, and those are my milestone blocks before we move into the activity. Or it could be a design constraint, or like you just use an orange square and a purple circle. Um, that's all of what I want you to use in your design, and you can use whatever code you want. And so that provides a little bit of like that, like a slider, um, mm-hmm. if you will, I think, between structure and agency. Maybe a slider is not the best metaphor, but I think how much um, where are those constraints set up with, I yeah. think, design and coding is kind of one opportunity where I've seen educators um, provide that structure and agency.
1: Oh, I love that. Uh, you've, you've mentioned this a couple times. You've mentioned this idea of design based learning environments. Can you tell us more about the research, uh, and can we kind of maybe walk listeners through why that research is important in K-12 education?
2: Yeah. Um, to me, uh, it's important because I think de- design based learning involves creating or recreating something with a little bit of yourself in it. And so, um, and we encourage scratchers to design projects and make projects with their own voice, uh. And a, An example of that is the Scratch Cat has no name, right? And we do that because we want you to delete the Scratch Cat. We want you to delete them right away, and then add your own sprite. and um, And the team felt that if they gave it a, cat, a name, you might be a little bit more attached to it, right? You're a little bit more attached to the And so it's I never noticed that before <laughs> until
1: you just right? said that. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're totally right. I never thought about that.
2: And so, but everybody loves the Scratch Cat on the other end, right? right? And of so course. it's like. a... Um, but that, and that's why we didn't give him a name. That's why there's very little identity associated yeah. um, with, with the scratch cat. On the other end, um, uh, scratch the name itself comes from. Um, DJs and, and music and the that grew up in hip hop music that grew out of the Bronx and being able to remix something, um, being able to participate in that culture through either lyrics, lyrics through either music through dancing, multiple kind of opportunities for that. And so that's, it pays homage to the to the scratching and, and the noise that it, um, you will make on a turntable. And and so part of that is being able to um, do some of that recreating, thinking about what a remix looks like, what it means to give build on the ideas of others. And, and so there's, I think very strong principles with to design-based learning. And that's why we have a remix. Um, uh, we show you how many remixes you've done. I encourage scratchers to um, share notes and credits and give shout-outs to people when they use um, a resource, just as we do in writing, right? Give a shout-out to something, to a, a video or an image that you may have used or or someone else on your team, or maybe even yourself. You know, I used this code a long time ago, I created this code, and now I'm reusing it for something else. So I think those those are the design-based learning opportunities. And, and one of the ways... Um, that, I, that I've kind of checked for that in, in a classroom or kind of put an eye out is that if all the activities, sc- scratch projects look the same at the end um, and have 30 different scratch projects, then that uh, seems like a missed opportunity for youth mm-hmm. voice, um, right? And so that gives me like, that, that may have been a very structured kind of environment, right? So then yeah. going back to that strip, maybe we need, a, how can we provide a more agency, agency in that piece? Like that. And so, um, yeah, and, and it, I think it's uh, other um uh, and i think so that is going beyond just creating a project and really thinking about how um when i create a project how will i have a little bit of myself in that um in that project and there's a group also um at the parent institute um shout out to them for the great work they they talk about like hands-on minds-on and you've seen mm-hmm. it, i think might have heard in other places where it's not yeah. just hands-on activities where we're making a project but our minds are also on. we're also thinking about those choices whether it be a design chores choice or an a- abstraction um, or it's a connection between the part. And so um, that's a, a lot of that work. Um, we sometimes refer as to the, the four P's of projects, passions, peers, and play. And so um, I'm looking for those four P's. Those four P's are kind of the design principles. And so as an educator is creating a learning environment, use, how can they use those four P's of um how will the scr- uh, scratchers or my users create projects that they're passionate about, alongside peers or with peers or for peers, for friends, uh, and then being able to uh, iterate on those projects? And so that play is a of like testing and and debugging, experimenting, iterating, trying out new things. And so um, I'll also in in I'll also ask in spaces like what what did you try out a new block. Um, mm-hmm. And so if nobody tried out anything new, then that's also kind of like a, a missed opportunity for me. You know, we should be able to like experiment and with something yeah. new, whether it be like, oh, I, it's an idea or it's a block or, or something else. And it's it's not the student's fault and, and the educator, just how do we kind of open up the activity a mm-hmm. bit more with some desi- more design-based learning? Yeah,
1: and I love that. Again, that, that idea that if I end up with 30 projects that all look the same, I might I have been too structured and not enough agency. And, and to be thinking through that, I think, And not just when we're using programs like Scratch. To me, that's an educational philosophy. Yeah, exactly. we're having kids design something, if Mm -hmm. I'm telling kids, hey, go and design something, I'm hoping to get 30 different different designs. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things you kind of talked about, and I'd love for you to kind of make a connection if if you can for me, Mm -hmm. about how in Scratch – we're helping to promote students giving credits to others whose code they might take who uh, to share some of your code and take some of your code. Can you talk about like the importance of starting that in third, fourth, Mm. fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade? And if you become a coder today over on GitHub, how important is that as well? (laughs) Like that's part of that's part of the coding community, right?
2: Yeah, that's definitely it. And I think it's um, so, sometimes schools are very heavy on plagiarism, right? And so yeah. um, sometimes I've, I've walked into schools where it's like uh, um, that, that's a little tricky, and so sometimes that's that that uh, that's something to struggle with or reconcile with students. And so um, there's an activity in the Creative Computing curriculum guide on on uh, a creature construction and creature creation, where um, it's uh, I think I believe it's in, in literacy. It's also the exquisite corpse. I think mm-hmm. you, where you work on something and you pass it along, and um, and when you pass it along drawing you create little notches so the next person can know when to start off and then you Mm. do that and then the next person but you don't see what's happening before and then at the end we kind of reveal um uh, what those creatures created and so those creatures are um, creatures that we probably couldn't have created on our own um with those ideas and so i I love that activity because it elicits the power of remixing the power um of being able to work alongside others and so before we give credit i think before I, i we jump into like giving credit i think power that the first part is like how do i value remixing right mm-hmm. and building off the ideas of others and i think once i like to like introduce that notion of remixing and the power and now we can do that then we move into like oh, okay so how do we give credit to other ways and and so um i've had a uh, uh, the google cs first curriculum one of the um Things that they do in that is they get a little posted, and they, you use it on on use that posted on your monitor or your laptop monitor if you need help, and then you, you, that way your peers can see like oh well you need help with not just your educator, but and at the end you write a shout out to somebody who inspired you, and and so that's I love that because it's also an opportunity to scaffold giving shout outs to scaffold giving credit. The next piece on the on the um, on the front page of our project in Scratch is then we have the notes and credit section, and so. Um, all of the ScratchCat projects um, give shout-outs and they cite their work, whether it be graphic or design or music. And so we try to mo- model that in ScratchCat projects. And and I think that's part of like what we, we um, uh, encourage other Scratchers to do. And, and I think that we should be doing more of, um, right? And, and and there's different kind of um, opportunities for that. But I, I think that, that a lot of that, I guess what I'm saying is, Um, The scratch online community, as much as we push that is one thing, but uh, educators also have a community in their classroom, right? Schools also have a community. And so I just can't pretend that that community doesn't matter. Like It it matters. And so creating links between our daily kind of uh, interactions and the people and our peers with kind of what that means online is a big part of that Mm -hmm. as well.
1: I I love that. And before we go, I wanted to share with you, uh, just so that you hear some of you know, what Scratch has done. I've got two stories uh, that I'd love yeah. to be able to share with you um, of just me using Scratch with students. Uh, one of them is a uh, when I was in uh, Bangkok, when I was, a, I was a, a tech coach in Bangkok, we had a fifth grade student who was totally disengaged and kid was wicked smart. And to the point where he was always trying to break into the school servers. I mean, this kid was <laughs> wicked, right? Um, but like when it came to doing schoolwork, wouldn't engage, like mm-hmm. just found schoolwork for mm-hmm. uh, and at one point I think he actually hacked one of the printers in our school mm-hmm. anyway. So I ended up, I ended up getting this kid because he ends up, he likes technology. And so mm-hmm. I brought him in and during their time, he was acting out in class. He would come and see me mm-hmm. and I hooked him up with scratch. And I was just like, look, mm-hmm. sit over here at the table. And I know you already know a little bit of coding, but see what you mm-hmm. can do with this. You know, and I was like, this is a brand new mm-hmm. program. I, I'm, I'm testing it out. <laughs> yes. Like I have my whole, my whole show with him. And so yeah. he would come and like a half hour a day, he would just start building, right? He was just building stuff. And then at the end of the half hour, I'd say, show me what you mm. built today. What did you go? Know? Where did you know how to start? And then in class, they were starting to do an environmental sustainability. unit, mm. And so his project, instead of creating a poster or a oh, presentation, so cool. like the rest of the students, he decided that he wanted to create something in Scratch. And so here's a kid who was totally not engaged, spent hours of time with me. And of course, I'm learning Scratch right along with him at this point. And I mean, surpassed my knowledge of Scratch within a couple of days. But he was working on it at home. He ends up creating an environmental sustainability game where his little sprite would run around like the four corners of his board. And he had to be able to like cut the trees down because if the trees grow too much, the forest overtook everything. And then he had to go and he had to, he had to feed the, I think he had pigs or cattle or something cows and he had to feed the cows, but he couldn't feed them too much because then they would overpopulate. Wow. And so he had the four corners. And I don't remember what the other two corners are, but one was like deforestation. Uh, one was uh, meat resources. And I forget what the other two resources, but your little sprite had to run around and keep your environment in control otherwise they got out of control and as you went up every level of course things grew faster and died faster and so you had to constantly be going faster and faster faster and he got to allow the kids in the class got to play his game oh, and it was like a, a shiny moment for this kid who was <laughs> a little geek in the back of the room that kept getting in trouble and all of a sudden he's got the cool game yeah. that yeah. he's teaching about environmental sustainability uh that's so, an incredible so, story yeah it was so good man that kid i was just that's like, good oh, I, I and
2: i'm sure there was some. <laughs> I know, and I'm sure there was some math, right? Like some math oh, creeped up in there. And for sure. So, and that's what's awesome about like those activities as well is like, uh, um, like that that perspective and that change of like I can create, I can I can hack things, and I can make and make them, but then I can also create something, yeah. um, right? And being able to share that with others and my ideas. Um, that's exactly, that's, a, I love that example. And, and I always use, and when I train educators and math creeps up, I always like yell out, you're like, oh my God, it's our friend math, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> to, to really call that out because it contextualizes yeah. a lot of that. Um, yeah, and for so sure. I, I also love that he's able, that he was able to share that with others and because yeah. it's, it's really tricky. Like as even as an artist, like sharing works, ask a teacher to share a lesson plan and it's, a, it gets very personal real quick. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and, and I think that's part of, um, but it's also, you may have other ideas of what they're doing next. Um, and uh, But I think being able to share a work in progress or even a specific point is, I think, a, is super important. Um, and uh, so it's awesome you're able to provide that opportunity. How, I'm curious, how did you how did you grade that? How did you evaluate that? Um, because it sounds like other folks were working pro- uh, posters or kind of other things. Yeah. So this is a new so medium. How did
1: you do that? It was great. Uh, well, the teacher had a rubric. And okay. so we were able to, because she was, you know, with whatever the other kids right. decided to do, like their agency was, you get mm-hmm. to decide. But of course the teacher didn't know exactly. Scratch existed. So it wasn't mm-hmm. one of the things you could decide from. You could be a poster, a PowerPoint presentation, or you can make mm-hmm. a video. And so when it came time to grade it, it was literally having a conversation with him and mm-hmm. saying, do you... Okay, talk about this part of environmental sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about this part. And it was literally just talking with him <laughs> to understand he, he knew all of it. He knew yeah, way more than, you know, yeah. He had to in order to create yeah. the game, the way that the game was created, about yeah. how do we keep our environment stable, uh, you know, was was a huge was a huge part of it. And so that's how we created, it was just actually having a conversation with him. Um, and talking about what did you learn and what did you see? I mean, of course the rubric couldn't even hold everything that, you know, that that this kid had learned, um, Mm -hmm. in that the other story I wanted to tell you, and I think this is an interesting one as well. I was a substitute teacher when we moved back here to the States for a while and I went and I was substituting in a third grade classroom that had very few computers. Like the school itself just had a set of iPads in a cart that didn't connect to the internet. Mm. So when I would go into substitute, I would bring every device I had. I had what old iPads and I don't know, Android uh-huh. tablets, whatever. And I would load different games for kids to play. Okay. And one of the games I would load would be scratch junior mm. for these third graders. That's and throughout the day, as I was a substitute teacher, kids could go and play the game. So it was a great way for uh-huh. substitute teacher, by the way, to, to a lot of, <laughs> stuff to happen. Yeah. but watching a third grader, the, the joy in a third grader's eyes the first time they get their sprite to move forward. Like these kids, they didn't have a curriculum. I didn't teach them anything. i was just like, here's a game. Go and start dropping blocks. This is all you do. Drag and drop blocks. That's great. And to see a third grader like, I made my sprite move forward. And then he went right and he picked up something. It was just like mind-blowing to these kids. And I think there's so much possibility there with just this you as an educator, you don't need to know all the time how it works. And that's one thing I love about the computing curriculum yeah. guide that we will have in the show notes is it gets it helps get you started in just see what the kids can create. You know, get started by having kids create something on their own and and, and then decide, okay, where could I fit this in my curriculum? Right. But that idea of designing awesome. something that is yours, I think is so yeah. powerful.
2: Thanks for calling that out. I mean that's so important. There's usually um, there's a certain level of comfort, right? And I think part mm-hmm. of like I love uh, your your experience and also in, in saying like I I don't have this experience and also being um, just uh, honest and being within two days um, a, a student can gain much more experience with coding and and but I think you're still you're you're still coming in with your your great experience in facilitating those environments, right? Like setting that up was it was incredible and then and then setting and realizing like oh you're. You're we're learning together, if not, you're learning more. I think that the power of, of what I think that does and changing the relationship between uh, what a student sees you as a teacher, right, is like now we're both learning together in this piece. And it's just not you telling someone else um, that you know everything. And yeah. it expresses the notion of being resourceful, this resource of like, I can do it. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, I can ask questions about the world, uh, I think, and, and make sense of them through computing. It, it's extremely powerful. And so, um, and I just say that because I, I get asked a lot: of How much do I need to know about Scratch to to work to do a, a Scratch unit or a Scratch activity? And, and so part of that is, um, it's where your comfort level is, right? And and being able to elicit those those uh, that thinking from other other Scratchers, other students is, is important. But and I think good instruction is just good instruction, right? In any kind of space, whether it be coding, math, or literacy. Um, and so, yeah, you. you I guess, yeah, you may have said you didn't know um, as much as Scratch, but you did know how to set up a great learning environment, right? And I think yeah. that's what's super important um, and that teach that educators um, should be leveraging and are always leveraging. Yeah,
1: I love that. Well, Francisco, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Again, you know, if, if I know many of you out there listening to this have heard of Scratch, maybe you forgot about Scratch because it's been around for so long, scratch.mit.edu. I can get you a free account Get started. It's all free. It will always be free, which I appreciate the MIT picking up Scratch. Uh, that's a whole other episode about the evolution <laughs> of Scratch that we could go into. That's been so yeah. fascinating to follow uh, through my own education career as well. And we'll also make sure down there in the show notes, the Scratch, uh, Scratch Ed's creative computing curriculum guide to help get you started will be in the show notes as well. Uh, thanks so much, Francisco. As we get ready to sign off, if people want to reach out to you or to the team or are looking for further uh, support, where is a good place for, for educators to go?
2: Yeah, and so um, you talked a little about that that evolution and um, of Scratch, and so now Scratch is its own foundation. Um, we're still located out in Boston, but I think you can find us at scratchfoundation.org um, and then sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we offer our Scratch conference and Scratch Day throughout the that year, but... Um, Connect with us via uh, scratchfoundation.org and check us out there as well.
1: Awesome. We'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Francisco, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And then until next time, we'll see you on the network.
2: Okay. Thanks, Richard.